Hello, everyone. So welcome back to Venturi Stories. Uh, so it is uh, middle of Feb, which means uh, something is in the air. And before you all get excited, uh, for all the telecom professionals, it's not love. We are not going to be talking about Valentine's Day. Uh, it is Mobile World Congress. Uh, so Mobile World Congress, or MWC, as we all telecom professionals know it, uh, is the industry's largest uh, trade show happens in one of uh, my favorite cities in the world, Barcelona, for the last several years. And uh, uh, it's where everybody in the industry meets, uh, all of the latest trends are discussed. Uh, so Arjun and I, being from the telecom route, uh, and given that it is MWC time, decided that for today's episode, we are going to go back to our telecom routes. And uh, we are delighted to be joined by two telecom industry stalwarts, Michelle Ganaj and Steven Spilesi. Uh, uh, I'll let both of them introduce themselves in a few minutes. Uh, so today's episode is actually going to be, again, about product thinking, uh, but uh, with a twist, we are actually going to examine Ecrio, which is Michelle's company. Michelle is the CEO there. Ecrio's journey from a product thinking lens. Uh, Ecrio has been long time in communication and messaging software technology. Uh, they've been in the industry for some time uh, and how they've gone through this journey and uh, messaging has been around. It uh, is not a new technology, but uh, uh, and it has gone through its hype cycles, ups and downs. Uh, however, now with the private wireless adoption and things like uh, Industry 4.0, there is sort of a new wave uh, that it uh, is new product test curve that it is poised to ride on. And we want to help illustrate how actually applying product thinking lens to this can help unlock the trap value and launch a new product product test curve that may not seem that obvious if you just look at it from a pure technology lens. Uh, so with that, uh, Michelle and Steven, welcome to the Sure, really excited to have you here today. Uh, and maybe let's get started with a brief introduction and uh, you can frame it in the context of uh, the conversation today that I just had to the stage for. Uh, thank you, Gaurav. Uh, so I'm, I'm Michel Ganage and uh, I'm the CEO of Ecrio. Um, so I'll give you a brief uh, uh, story or a brief trajectory of what we've done here. We're basically in the communications uh, software business, uh, all IP based. And we started out when um, uh, basically in the beginning of the 3G era, where um, uh, some of the services uh, were going to be uh, switching from circuit switch to packet switch uh, uh, and all over IP. And we, uh, at that time, we uh, we saw that uh, IMS was uh, being a uh, a standard that 3GPP uh, was adopting. So we jumped on that uh, standard, and the very first uh, um, the very first uh, service that was uh, talked about at that time was uh, Push to Talk. And uh, I don't know whether you recall that uh, NTT Docomo would was uh, one of the leading. Uh, uh, operators uh, that had introduced 3G and they were looking for uh, new services and uh, and basically they they uh, they decided that push to talk would be uh, a good uh, service to go uh, to go for 
so we we went along they looked at the different vendors and uh, finally selected us and we ended up deploying between 2005 and 2010 on their network uh, the first uh, uh, commercial push to talk network uh, push to talk service based on IMS uh, that was a very uh, successful service. We ended up being uh, launching maybe, um, I, I think, uh, uh, 40 models of devices uh, on uh, different operating systems like Linux and uh, and um, and uh, Symbian. Um, and uh, so, um, fast forward, uh, we started uh, looking at uh, voice, uh, voice over LTE. Uh, and uh, and of course RCS, those were two the next two uh, big IMS uh, 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 supposedly to be deployed. It took a while to happen. Uh, uh, Volti was uh, first deployed in 2012, and I, I guess we we were the first uh, 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 the first device software that was launched uh, uh, on the Verizon net network. Uh, so we had our first. Uh, 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 a voice call done in, in, in around 2012 or so. RCS was uh, uh, the next thing that was supposed to happen and is finally starting to happen now. Uh, but uh, if we uh, come to today, uh, I think there is a big opportunity uh, for a, a revival of IMS and with uh, private 5G networks. And um, so we'll, we'll talk more about what we're doing today uh, later on. Yeah. Thanks, Michel. Uh, Stephen, over to you. Uh, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, Michel went over uh, a lot of uh, three-letter acronyms. Uh, we'll try to uh, sure. uh, uh, <laughs> maybe apply more uh, industry lens to this. Sure thing. Um, so by way of introduction, Stephen Spellacy, uh, been in, uh, in leadership positions in product companies for decades now. Um, making world-class software and hardware-related products. Um, my background is principally in um, telecom technologies uh, with an emphasis on software development, um, areas like uh, analytics, AI, uh, as well as reporting and, uh, and observability type technologies. Um, I, in just full disclosure, I'm an advisor to uh, Ecrio and very pleased to be associated with uh, Michelle. Um, my background in the telecom space and many of the uh, companies I've worked for serving that sector has led me to, you know, provide enough uh, experience and advice and guidance to Michelle as he continues to scale this out. Outside of telecom, um, my focus has classically been in the enterprise, and this is where we're seeing an emergence of use cases around private mobile networking and the use of technology like voice related technologies to be able to augment operationally uh, areas in manufacturing, in retail, in oil and gas mining. The, the, the possibilities are endless. I like to say that Ecrio provides foundational voice and collaboration related features that are essential for the success of any private mobile network. And as you look at the industrialization, sort of a digital transformation and the next sort of step in industry 4.x. Um, it's this sort of hybrid of not only uh, data related applications, but interactive applications and voice is just the cornerstone of interaction. You know, that's fantastic. Both Michelle and Stephen, I mean, both of you came up with such you know, elegant points about the future of the industry. So I'm just going to take a tack on since we talked about messaging 
you know, conversations today have just taken on a different meaning. If you have the average conversation with someone of my age versus someone who is like, you know, half my age, you'd probably have a different conversation set, which is how do you use, you know, over the top applications. If you move from, you know, messaging to IMs and slacks uh, and, you know, all the things that we have traditionally known in the background from terms of architecture, uh, that's changed from a consumer as well as an enterprise standpoint. So I love the explanation you gave in terms of enterprise applications. And I think, you know, that becomes a cornerstone of how we design new products and new services for the space. So just help us kind of distill the landscape, if you will, uh, the present challenges for things like service providers or enterprises. How do these private networks, which talk about secure, scalable, and intuitive architecture, I'm not using AI, but, uh, but similar, <laughs> how does it kind of apply? And how do you think of it from your perspective as you service your, your customers? Okay. Well, I mean, we're seeing, it's, it's very interesting and there's very good uh, questions, but uh, I mean, with private networks are starting to happen, right? It's, and we're seeing the, uh, the um, whether it's an, with LTE or with, uh, with 5G. And I mean, they're being built and, and then uh, very, very first thing that uh, an enterprise would ask you, hey, what can I do with uh, with my network? And and voice becomes something that is uh, that is important. Mm -hmm. uh, now, of course, you you put together the, the the network. You could say always I could have over, over the top voice. But what happens mm -hmm. if the if the network is disconnected? So not connected to the cloud. And, and there are plenty of use cases where you you would find that in, in the defense market and uh, oil and gas mm -hmm. and. Or what happens if uh, the network is connected from time to time, but get disconnected sometimes? Sure. So, well, having a reliable uh, voice uh, uh, service uh, mm -hmm. becomes important. So once you have that, I think you can start building up on that. I mean, is it mm -hmm. only for uh, person to person? Is it uh, human to machines? Do you want to add... Uh, uh, IoT devices, do you want to add a drone in your contact list and uh, do you want to have cameras uh, uh, feeds uh, in that? So that's where we see the private networks uh, wanting to use communications and where mm -hmm. communications become so important to I, I would just add in those environments which are, you know, really sensitive uh, related to either regulatory or security oriented environments. Uh, military and defense would be one of them. I have some experience working for a large defense contractor. And this is, you know, the application of, of, of having your own private network for a military installation. They'd be able to control communications for command and control and be able to have, you know, beyond, you know, any uncertainty that it, that, that communication is going to be reliable it's going to be secure. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, you know, able to withstand the, you know, any kind of congestion in the network and be able to have the controls in place in order to deliver that reliable service. And so, you know, we're starting to see this, you know, private mobile networking, as, as Michelle mentioned, the disconnection from the cloud becomes almost like air gapping becomes mm -hmm. a new requirement. And so how do you survive in an air gapped environment where it's meant to be highly secure, but still performant and reliable? And I think the freedom comes in having a tool set and a uh, set of capabilities through a rich application framework, which is what, Apria, what Ecrio really provides, in that they can bring this solution to multiple verticals 
It's very simple, easy to deploy, highly reliable. And I think what's exciting mostly about what they're doing is that it works out, out of the box with many of the known network equipment providers. So as they start to solution with some of the uh, other vendors in the ecosystem, reliability, certification, all of those things become very important and the, the applications work as they're supposed to. Yeah. Before I jump in, you know, I'm going to say this. I'm so glad that you made the distinction about this industrial as well as the enterprise side of it. Because every time I call my son, he says, "Who talks?" <laughs> <laughs> There's like serious applications you need to have reliability and yeah. flow control. I mean, OTT, OTT, Zoom is hard. You know, you never know when the other person stops talking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think on that uh, defense uh, vertical that you made the point about. So Michelle, if I remember correctly, you recently made an announcement with uh, uh, some uh, Indian Army, is it? Uh, around something yeah, in this way? Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we, um, we made an announcement. It was uh, in August, I believe, uh, or in September of uh, last year. Uh, so we were selected by the, the India Defense uh, to um, uh, for network in a box. I mean, uh, again, they had built a network in a box, but the very first question they ask you, hey, how many simultaneous calls can I do on that box, right? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, mm -hmm. or, or can I do push to talk? Can I do mission mm -hmm. critical stuff? So, yep. yeah, so we, uh, so the, the key to that selection was the fact that our software was very, very small in footprint mm -hmm. and we're able in, in a portable uh, network in a box being able to, mm -hmm. to uh, deliver on on what they were looking for in terms of uh, um, communications uh, among uh, the, uh, the 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 soldiers, uh, uh, basically. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, defense verticals where you cannot rely on over the top uh, and you have to have this contained cell on a wheel kind of an application. And yes, at that point, messaging and voice are very critical applications that are needed. Uh, so you seem to be in the perfect spot to tap that tap into that. Uh, that's great. Now, uh, pivoting our conversation, uh, we are product thinkers. We love talking about product thinking, uh, and product thinking is about customer centricity, business value, and iterative approach. Uh, so for the rest of the conversation, uh, we want to use those three pillars to frame the conversation and uh, help illustrate ICRIO's journey. Uh, so let's start with the customer centricity. So Michelle, uh, can you think of something uh, from your history or recent experiences where being intensely centered around the customer has helped you um, navigate uh, this market as it has evolved from the journey where you started from the device side to where you are now? Well, um... Let me see. In terms of customer, I I, I like what we've done um, uh, and and where we're going right now. Especially, I mean, I'm going back to the defense uh, uh -huh. uh, defense market uh, here. So we um, uh, we it, it was interesting because uh, as we were starting to market our our, our products uh, for the in the private wireless, so we got uh, uh, approached by by a contractor to the Indian uh, defense and uh, they felt that hey what we had was absolutely unique and and nobody else uh, had uh, was able they were not able to find another uh, vendor who could uh, pretty much deliver on what they were looking for um, 
So what we did, I mean, moving forward, is we started uh, spending more and more time on the defense part of it and started uh, approaching the DOD and uh, uh, talking to different uh, partners, vendors, to see uh, where that would, uh, that would take us. And indeed, what we're finding today it's, I mean, across the uh, defense department, and whether it's uh, the Air Force, the Navy, the uh, and 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 other uh, uh, part of the defense, and even uh, thinking about uh, retrofitting uh, uh, vehicles, right, uh, uh, where you could have communications gear, we're finding that uh, that uh, defense market is uh, is is definitely. Uh, one that would uh, take advantage of uh, of what we have. So, having said that, uh, doesn't mean that uh, what we're doing doesn't apply to other verticals. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the same product that we're designing today, we're designing it uh, was uh, and developing it uh, for uh, uh, pretty much going into all uh, all type of verticals where uh, a, a private network uh, is uh, important to have in a box. We, you know, we, we were talking earlier about AI and whether or not we were there yet. And I think it's interesting as you look at enterprise verticals across pretty much the enterprise space, you see this emergence of, of sort of one plus one use cases. Um, I'll give you an example, uh, computer vision as an enabling technology. And we joke about metaverse, we joke about augmented reality. Is it real? Are we going to use it? Is there business value? But we're seeing in, in, in the walks of my life, we're seeing, um, you know, with respect to using computer vision to solve problems related to, you know, remote technicians who are going to a site. It could be oil and gas. It could be a manufacturing floor. And they are diagnosing issues or doing preventative maintenance or they're in some kind of search for something. And they don't have all the knowledge, but they have vision. They have access to. And then behind the scenes... They may have access to rich voice and collaboration services that could be powered by a solution like Ecrio, which gives us a one plus one. Even going further, the introduction of generative AI technologies and models to, to actually help the technicians with an iterative approach to learning more about the environment, asking mm -hmm. questions, tapping into the knowledge base. And as they effectively, as they do more, they learn more because they train those models. And I think it's that combination of things that we're seeing customers start to emerge in the, in the industry saying, look, these are all powerful things. They're all like sort of individual components. When we pull them together, we create actual whole products for the, for, the, for the industry. And I think if you look at individual point solutions, it's hard sometimes when you start to pull these things together and create the pathways between those areas and components, you start to unearth all this amazing potential for customers. And that would just be one simple example where you can plug voice plus computer vision and generative AI, and then you could totally change the world of a technician who's standing in a manufacturing floor trying to keep the production line up and running. So Stephen, I mean, this is, this is just music to my ears as I listen through this. And you actually have coined this term industrial metaverse. Uh, I think that's just fantastic <laughs> because what happens is that people get trapped in this consumer metaverse, which I think is really further away and, you know, for whatever it's worth. Yeah. Um, but this uh, industrial side, of, uh, I'm move it up into a product strategy kind of discussion. Right? We've seen a lot of technology advancement. Sometimes it's, it's, it's eerie how easily somebody, you were talking about a technician, 
you know, how closely you're connected to a, a pipeline or something else. And somebody, and you wonder who's listening on the other side. And I always ask this question to myself, who's winning and losing these transitions? Today, the talk of the town is, has moved from a cloud provider to an AI or a generative AI kind of solution. I used to work for a company called Nortel Networks. I don't know if you remember it, but it used to be a behemoth in, uh, in terms of uh, optical networking. No longer so. So when you see yourself and uh, you think about how you're creating business value and how your customers are seeing value from your products, where does that intersection happen? Which customers and we, where are the transitions happening and which customers and, and services are winning that space? How do you see that? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean think, think about all these uh, uh, verticals where you need to have uh, the you need to have the intelligence and you need to have uh, uh, quick feedback i mean think so think about uh, uh, defect detection on a manufacturing line or think about mm-hmm. um, uh, i don't know object recognition for safety uh, things mm-hmm. I mean, things think about uh, um, i mean workers not wearing helmets uh, and somewhere and, and then uh, being able to detect that quickly and and and, and provide quick feedback so that uh, uh, there could be a, a sudden push to talk sessions between uh, between a supervisor and an employee mm-hmm. so uh, think about all the frontline workers who cannot uh, use their hands and uh, they want to uh, nowadays they they they're using voice only but then mm-hmm. You could uh, very much uh, imagine them with a VR headset and mm. uh, uh, trying to, especially if you have a path through uh, uh, going on. Um, so they could be looking, uh, think about on the manufacturing floor, moving their heads, and that could be whatever they're seeing could be seen by a remote expert. Uh, mm. I mean, all of these use cases uh, really are going to happen, and mm-hmm. they're going to happen. Uh, and the communication is going to be a fundamental uh, uh, table stake, if you want, for for this uh, to 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 to, uh, uh, to enable all all of these uh, use cases. Um, well, back to customer tra- you know customer centricity, and also product and design thinking. Right? Mm-hmm. How do we get from a concept which is we could do this, we could do that, to something that somebody is really in need of? Mm-hmm. And that wants to do a product experimentation, which will, will lead to an innovation, which will lead to a product in market. Now, obviously, from a marketing perspective and from a product management perspective, any smart product company is going to do a segmentation and understand product market fit. But mm-hmm. there's also going to be that innovation opportunity to go out and experiment and create new use cases and new potentially new approaches to things you don't do today. Finding those disruptive things, like some of the things that that, um, that Michelle just mentioned, which are going to r- sort of scramble the existing playing field for the way we do things today versus what we'll do tomorrow. They're true technology enablers, which will be disruptive to industries and verticals. But how do you get there? How do you really get there? You've got to engage with the customer. You've got to really mm-hmm. understand what jobs they do mm-hmm. and why mm-hmm. would this technology be needed? What could What pains could be alleviated? Mm-hmm. What new opportunities could get opened or created? And so that iterative discussions happening with the Equio customer base as it is with many other companies around how do we apply what we do well to something you need today 
And what about tomorrow? What else are you going to need in the future? Yep, totally. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that I think was a great synopsis of uh, uh, applying product thinking uh, to Acreo's journey in terms of customer centricity, finding the business value, and then iterate uh, to really uh, get build the products out. Uh, so just touching a little more on the iterative approach, Michelle, you started the conversation with Acreo's journey and uh, Acreo has been around uh, for a long time, uh, as has uh, communication and the basic technology, voice or messaging uh, and the communication software suite that you provide. Uh, as we said at the top, it has gone through its hype cycles, ups and downs. You started with on the device side, uh, and uh, you were, have been a, a leader on the device side. Uh, you were doing messaging on the devices far before Apple or Android or any of the Samsung devices that everybody uses now uh, came into the market. Uh, and now you are here enabling messaging and voice applications for human to machine communications for private mobile networks uh, that and providing a complete suite of device edge and the cloud software so uh, that does seem like it must have taken a lot of iterative approach so could you walk us through that journey yeah this is a very interesting uh, um, journey here and and uh, and uh, also a good question to ask Gaurav. Um yeah, so we, uh, indeed, when we, we started out, um, we were um, basically licensing our, uh, our uh, device software uh, for, for communications. Um, having said that, uh, there's no way you could design the device software if you don't understand the infrastructure. So mm -hmm. we've always had an infrastructure team that was designing and developing infrastructure software so that we could... Uh, uh, develop our own device software and make it uh, and make it very optimized so and that that also served another purpose it was once uh, the our customers the oems uh, the device oems were taking our software to um uh, for uh, um uh, implementing them on on the phones or integrating in the phones we would also provide them our infrastructure software or test uh, if you want for for mm -hmm. testing and validating the software before they went out and tested on the operators' networks. So we've always had that uh, that uh, software that was uh, uh, very much optimized, small in footprint, uh, was fitting basically, always fitting in the kind of uh, mini appliance running Linux, so it was a very small uh, fit. So we've always had, if you want, the end-to-end the, the -end solutions but we never went to market with the infrastructure software. Just uh, uh, it was just a, a going and, and bundling it for the for the device makers. Mm -hmm. Now you fast forward, and and about a few years back, we just realized that uh, the uh, um, the infrastructure so software for communications and the large infrastructure providers uh, that were providing in communications like. Let's say for an AT&T or Verizon, like 100, 200 million uh, subscribers, they were having difficulty scaling that down to uh, to just 50 users or 100 mm -hmm. users or even 10,000 users in a in a in a cost-effective way. So uh, we we said, wow, we have the product already. It's just a matter <laughs> of repackaging it 
and and using it uh, for private uh, 5G. So this is how we got into uh, into this uh, private 5G end-to-end -end, uh, um, uh, end -end, uh, uh, offer. Yep, that's uh, fascinating. Uh, Arjun, you may relate that to our VPC single instance uh, <laughs> journey yeah. uh, back in. Uh, so, uh, Steven, I totally anything you would like to add uh, from the industry? <laughs> I was around for part of that journey, so <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah, I mean, I think evolution happens as a result of changing market requirements. And, you know, Michelle's mentioned a few, and there are some dynamics in the market. But it's about adaptability. So really good product companies who think about, you know, not only their core assets, but what's the next thing that I need to develop to address that new market need. And I, what's exciting about, you know, some of the things that you'd say that Ecrio has done in their, their sort of uh, life cycle or lifetime, they're fundamental services that you would just assume have to be there. Like we talked about, OTT is a different approach to native voice. But when you go dig under the surface, you're like, well, that only works if all the conditions are met, right? Like if you've got network connectivity and you're using the internet, you know, but if you're not, you know, you can't. So these new requirements start to emerge, customers keep us on our toes and it forces us to be adaptive, you know, and think about, well, how do we approach this differently? And I think that's what they've been able to do now uh, for well over a decade and be able to address not only the existing requirements, but those near-term and emerging requirements. And then I think they've done a really awesome job of being crafty, of positioning their core technology to address new problems. It's like new problems to them, but yet they're still, they're, their core technology addresses those problems just as well as they did the initial, the initial requirement they built the product for. Uh, I completely agree with That's you, Steve. Yeah, so thanks, uh, Michelle and Steven. This has been uh fascinating conversation uh, i think uh, uh, we've uh, covered the three aspects of product thinking and ecrio's journey wish you all the best for the upcoming mobile world congress and uh, for anybody at mobile world congress who's tuning into this podcast uh, have a great show uh, have a wonderful show and uh, yeah uh, don't drink too much kava or sangria <laughs> 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 all right uh, thanks sir. Thank you.